Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, March Madness is officially here. NFL Free Agency is going off. Tom Brady is back. And we have zero minutes to discuss any of those topics because, simply put, the baseball world has blown up as we pretty much expected. The trade yeah. market has exploded. At the very least, the trade market has really exploded. That has exploded yeah. over the last 48 hours or so. And while the free agent market is still waiting to fully heat up, especially at the top end, uh, we have absolutely tons to talk about today with news seemingly coming every few minutes. So, Chris, I know you got your three screens up. I've got my phone next to me ready to go. Something happens in the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes. We'll let you know. We are recording this at 8.30 Eastern on Monday. So, if something comes in overnight, we'll miss it. But otherwise, just an absolute ton of movement on the trade market and some real surprising people finding in, or landing in different spots. Yeah, this has been nuts. It's been fun. I, I, I did mention that on our, uh, on our podcast that I thought the trade market was going to be so much more active than the free agent market just because it's so much easier to get that stuff going. Mm-hmm. Like. Because there's no salary cap in baseball, there's an effective salary cap. But because there's – like in the NFL, you saw like a bunch of free agent signing and, and stuff like that. It's literally we can only pay you this amount of money. Compared exactly. to where baseball, there's a lot more nuance that can go into this type of stuff. But it was fun to see. There were some trades that uh, just completely shocked me today, and, and that's fun. It, it's fun to see baseball – back and active and uh it's fun to start the positives and unfortunately we have to start with a massive massive negative yeah that's a a real bummer we're gonna get to that in a second the tatis injury but like i said coming up on the show today chris and i are going to talk you through all the angles from every major deal since the end of the lockout and what they need from a fantasy perspective um because of this flurry of action those looking for our relief pitcher rankings episode our positional preview Peep this up next week. We just simply have too much to talk about. Um, So be on the lookout for that and make sure, obviously, you give a listen to all of our positional previews before you draft. And speaking of drafts, make sure you are on the lookout for our award-winning 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide as you prepare for the upcoming fantasy season. 
is available now both in magazine form and digitally, and we are giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We will get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus with that promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So let's get right to that main story. And before we add, talk about all the acquisitions, like Chris said, we got to talk about a, a negative here, and that is the Fernando Tatis Jr. injury. Unfortunately, those are three words I'm saying more and more than I'd like to say over the course of his very young career. Uh, he injured or a fractured his left wrist. It, again, I don't know where this is. Apparently, he was involved in multiple motorcycle accidents, one in yeah. December and one this past Sunday. So I'm not entirely sure where this injury is stemming from. But either way, he has a fractured left wrist, expected to be out three months. Um, although Tatis has not formally made an announcement on whether or not he's getting the surgery or not. Uh, remember, last year, he injured his shoulder opted not to do the surgery and was able to come back halfway through the year. Um, but like we also said there, that's back-to-back seasons with a major injury that is going to affect not only his fantasy draft stock, but also just the stats that he ends up putting up towards the end of the year. Um, I mean, a huge blow for the Padres, a huge blow for fantasy managers. And if there is one and only one small little grain of uh, of good in this is that this injury from a fantasy perspective happened so early in this in this draft season that I'm hoping that many people have not already had their drafts and spent the number one overall pick on a guy who's unfortunately probably going to be out till mid-June. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's bummer is an understatement here. I mean, yeah. this is the guy that if I was to draft yesterday and I had the first overall mm-hmm. pick, this is the guy I would have taken. I, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the best five-category player in baseball when he's healthy, and unfortunately that's – going to have to be uh, something that we mentioned now because you know this is not the first time this has happened it is something that you have to be worried about going forward long term you know for those people 
who did draft already. I mean, it stinks, but at least you do have time to start looking through mm, maybe not the waiver yeah. wire wire, but you do have a chance to like make a trade. Like you have, you're going to have to be aggressive. You're never going to get um, the type of player that you want in for like, you're not going to get a Fernando Tatis jr. Likely mm-hmm. unless you're, you're just willing to offer up your farm in like a dynasty league or something like that, or a literal farm. If you're playing in a, in a non league to, to, to actually get a player of that ilk. But yeah, it's, it's massive. I mean, at the very earliest, you're probably talking about late May. I mean, we can talk about, yes, Fernando Tatis Jr. has shown he's a quick healer, but the the, the Padres are going to want to be careful with him too. Like they, they do should. not want to yeah. rush him back and they should. Yeah, this is, this is their franchise, but it really stinks. And I'm going to be very, very curious. And I'll ask you, Colin, like, where are you taking Fernando Tatis Jr. in a draft if it happens tomorrow? I mean, I, you got to figure, okay, so let's talk to I mean, yes, he is a quick healer, quote unquote here, but quick healer is kind of like an adjective that while it sounds nice, it really means that he's injured a whole bunch and we have to <laughs> get him to, to heal quickly. Like I, I wish this was not a part of him because he was just healthy all the time. But if I'm looking into a draft right now, and again, I think it depends on how your draft goes in the first, you know, four or five rounds. I don't think he's a top 50 player anymore, not with missing all of this time. So and obviously there is a worry that they rush him back and there is a re-injury and you know what, they decide to, you know, maybe play it safe with him towards the end of the year. I'd say probably in like the sixth or seventh round in like a 12 team standard seems about right. Like you can run up and do that. If you have more IL spots in your fantasy league, maybe you bump him up a little higher because you can take it on, but knowing that he's going to sit on your IL spot for at least the first basically three months of the year, um, that's hard. That's real rough. So look, if I'd say somewhere in probably that sixth, seventh round is where I would go draft him. If someone wants to reach up and and do that in the fourth or fifth, all for you. But I, I think just the amount of time he's going to miss drops him down to that level. I, I, I totally get that. I would still go fourth or fifth round with him. Okay. Here's one thing to keep in mind. One month of this is spring training. So he, the, the time that he's missing is, you know, the, there, there is going to be, some time here. Thankfully, this is not happening at the start of the season. You know what I mean? So sure. like I would be, if I'm still, bit, yeah. yeah, if I'm still getting him back on June 1st and I'm getting a hundred games of Fernando Tatis Jr., mm-hmm. I think he's still easily a top 50 player and, okay. and a chance to be somewhere much higher than that. I would, I, I would be more aggressive with it, but I do understand like there is a ton of risk and it's going to depend on how your draft goes. You know, right. if there are, like uh, a Wander Franco versus Fernando Tatis Jr. right now is a fascinating debate. I think yeah, that you can really have interesting right now. now. Yeah, well, and especially because you don't have a guarantee that Fernando t- or you don't have a guarantee that Wander Franco is going to provide help in that stolen base category. In fact, you should probably bet it against it, but he can help in so many other ways that it may not matter. I, I think it's a really tough call, but I will say this: if I'm picking. Like if I'm picking on the button and I have like the 48th pick of the fourth round and the 49th pick of the fifth round, mm-hmm. I might be taking two shortstops with that pick and maybe okay. trying to get like a Wander Franco and a Fernando Tatis Jr. It's very, very risky. I definitely am, am willing to admit that, but I'm still drafting him over guys like Bobby Wood Jr. or um, yes, or or even like an Adalberto Mondesi. Yes. I would still be willing to take. Fernando Tatis Jr. over those guys. I just think you have to br- drop him below the guys like certainly Trey Turner, certainly Xander Bogart, certainly 
Bobachet, those type of guys, which it's a bummer. But I still think like you can't ignore Fernando Tatis Jr. No. in drafts. But um, no, and I'm hoping sticks. I'm hoping Tatis falls in drafts, and I hope that there's a level of trepidation around it because again, you're right. If you get a hundred games out of him, he's still a top yeah. fifty player at the end of the year. Now, sure. if he suddenly, and again, part of my asterisks around like where do I draft him right now kind of falls into the. Is he getting a surgery? Is he trying to to play yeah. through this thing? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks surrounding exactly how he's going to get back to the field. We've heard three months, but we don't know the course of treatment yet. So that feels yeah. premature to begin with. If he's suddenly a June 1st, a, a, a July 1st, a mid-July, yeah. well, now all of a sudden, maybe he doesn't get enough time to be a top 50. But either way, sure. hopefully you have a little time before your draft, and maybe this, this picture will clear up a little bit beforehand. But Absolutely. I'd say, yeah, I mean – I wouldn't put him inside the top 50, but anything from 50 to 70, I am more than happy to look at Fernando Tatis and say, you know what, hopefully he comes back on the quicker side and I get a steal from where that ADP will be. Fair enough. So let's go on to the additions now. And the big trade, the big one, is the end of the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta. As the Braves trade with the Oakland Athletics for Matt Olson, Oakland acquires outfielder Christian Pache, Shea Langliers, right-handed pitcher Ryan Cusick, and right-handed pitcher Joey Estes. Uh, Olsen, like I said, is going to replace Freddie Freeman at first base in Atlanta. And boy, I don't know what the betting odds were for Freddie Freeman not to be a Brave at the end of the World Series, but would have lost my money on that one. Olsen has two years left on his contract, had a monster 2021, hit 271 with 39 homers, 111 RBIs, 101 runs scored, a 9-11 OPS and four stolen bases to tack on. And then obviously he is now going from the Coliseum in Oakland, which is not a hitter's park. Now he's going to Truist Field in Atlanta and he's going to be with a much better lineup around him. Chris, before we get to the prospects, I want to talk about a lot of them with you. I mean, what does this what does this trade mean to you when you're evaluating Matt Olson going into 2022? So I think I had Matt Olson like Fourth or fourth, fifth or sixth, I can't remember anymore where he was on my first base rankings. I think he's a solid number two to me now, and I would okay. I would put him above Paul Goldschmidt. I would put him above Pete Alonso. I do you love- put him above Freddie Freeman? I know that obviously we don't know where Freddie oh, Freeman goes. Excuse but- me, yeah, that's a that's a. How could I forget about Freddie Freeman? Yeah, that I mean, quickly? I, I assume I, that Vladdy uh, Junior yeah. is your number one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Vladdy Junior is definitely number one. So I'm sorry, I I, I misspoke. I, I definitely put him at, at the third spot now. Okay. Um, I not only love uh, the the change in ballpark, I love the change in lineup for Matt Olson yes. a lot because he should be hitting in the middle of that lineup, and he's going to get the chance to drive in. Hopefully, Ronald Acuna. If, by this, by the start of May, if not opening day, you know it shouldn't be a long term thing. Ozzy Albies and a solid back end of the lineup as well. I really, really like Matt Olson's scenario now. Now I don't think he's hitting two seventy one again. I, I still think you're talking more about that two forty two fifty range, but I think you're looking at forty homers, one hundred and fifteen to one hundred twenty RBI potential. And yeah. I would guess that. It's more likely he hits his ceiling than hits his floor, which mm-hmm. I think is a big thing going forward. I mean, losing Freddie Freeman is is massive for Atlanta in, in reality. Um, it's It seems silly that they weren't able to get that done. Of course, maybe Freddie Freeman actually didn't want to be there. Um, we really can't. I, I have tried very hard to get into the mind of Freddie Freeman, and he just won't let me in. Um, 
but I just don't, uh, I, I don't see why Matt Olson can't be like a legitimate fantasy star in this situation. I really, really like his scenario. Um, should be a fun one. Yeah, I have him at number three on my first base rankings entering, you know, when we started doing our rankings. And mm-hmm. I don't I won't put him over Freddie Freeman just yet, but boy, I want to. Like I want to do it just because I, I'm waiting for Freeman to go. If Freeman ends up with the Dodgers or Blue Jays or something along those lines, Freeman or Yankees, like Freeman stays in my number two. But if he goes anywhere else, I mean, it's very possible Olsen ends this year as first baseman number two, and that would not shock me at all. Again, 39 home runs playing half of your games in Oakland Coliseum is impressive just to begin with. And now everything, everything about his game gets better. Um, So I I think this is an absolutely great move for the Braves, at least in terms of, Hey, if I need to replace Freddie Freeman's numbers, Matt Olson is basically the guy to do it. Right. And he's a little younger. He's equally as good with a glove. You know, obviously it doesn't impact fantasy, but it, impacts the real game equally as good with a glove. So I think this is a great move for the Braves. Like I said, two years of control, which I think is obviously a factor in this conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if Olsen signs an extension at some point, but Freddie Freeman, not being a brave, we're going to talk about the, the free agent market and the kind of lack of movement on the upper echelon of it a little bit later in the show, but just still blows my mind that Freddie Freeman is going to be wearing a different uniform next year. It's so weird. I, I, like, it'll be one of those things where it's going to be really hard for me to get used to it. Be it the Dodgers, be it the Blue Jays, be it the Rays. It'd be very yeah. funny if, to me if he signed with the Rays and outspent the Dodgers and the Yankees. But uh, yeah, I, it, I'll lose it if that's I, the case. As a Yankee I, fan, I, I'll lose yeah, it. Yeah, I will say this: like, the big difference between Olson and Freeman is Freeman is just built to hit for average. Like, th- there's legitimate power there too, but his. His hit tool is one of the very best in baseball, but um, yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, as far as Oakland, like, yeah, talk to first me about all, these prospects. Yeah, so so first of all, just from the fantasy aspect, you've got to downgrade everybody in Oakland. Like, the, the, yes. they're first. Actually, you might want to upgrade anybody good in Oakland because the chances of them playing for Oakland by the time the season starts has gone down quite a bit. Like, they're, they're this is going to be a fire sale um but pache is is the big uh, the best prospect that's in the deal i think he's a better reality over fantasy prospect at this point but i still think there's a little bit of offensive upside here we're talking about on the 2080 scale maybe a 55 hit which would be above average and right around that in power which is decent but the but the calling card here is his defense like he is one of the best defense young defensive outfielders um, that I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it's, he has that chance to be like an Andrew Jones defender. Uh, the other prospects in the deal, a lot of people really like Joey Estes, a young pitcher that they got in the deal. He's a long way away. Yeah. He struck out 127 batters in 99 innings in Augusta, which is very impressive with a 2.91 ERA. He's got a chance to be a mid-rotation starter. Uh, why am I blanking on the other guys who are in this deal? Shea um, Langoliers and Ryan oh, Keith. Shea Langoliers. Yeah, Shea Langoliers is really interesting, and a lot of people might have him ranked above Pache. I can't do it. Another fantasy, another reality over fantasy guy. The, yeah. the the calling card here is his defense, but he's a catcher, and I think it's really interesting now. Shea Langoliers, I think, is a more talented player than Sean Murphy. I wonder if Sean Murphy could be on the move. That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the other player was, again, tell me again, Colin. Ryan Cusick. Ryan Cusick, who was a first-round pick, 
a bit of a reach to me of a first round pick, but I could see him being a high leverage reliever or uh, maybe like a Ryan Yarborough type that like throws two and a third innings, gets a bunch of strikeouts. I just don't know if he's a long-term starter. Um, but yeah, I think they did really well in terms of value. In fact, if you were just going value for value, I think the Oakland Athletics actually would be declared the winner of this trade. But it's just a big bummer that A's fans are going to have to go through this again. And they All are going – and you look know, with the Chris Bassett trade, which I think we'll talk about a little bit as well. Yep. Um a big portion of it. This is going to be, you're going to see Matt Chapman get traded. You're going to see Frankie Montas get traded. You're going to see Sean get traded. This is going to get ugly. And then we'll be all be surprised when Oakland wins 87 games again. Somehow I was going to say, are you still going to bet against <laughs> Oakland? Cause every time it's we so, say like, Oh, so they're weird. done every yeah. single time. We're like, how are yeah. they still on the wild card chase? It's September 15th. How is that possible? I, I will say this, this does feel different. And I think a lot of it has to do with, unfortunately, the fact that they're going to be moving about 300 miles east, give or take. I'm not very good at geography, but it seems like that's that's about what Las Vegas is going to be uh, from Oakland. Um, I, I do yeah, think this, this, has, feels, this has a real major league, the yes, movie feel. Like yeah, we're just going to make this team real yeah, bad, and then eventually yeah. we're going to move to a place well, we want to move to. And then maybe you can actually start spending some money as a splash because exactly. you're in, in Las Vegas and stuff like that. But uh I would definitely be betting the under on Oakland athletic wins uh, from what they are at right now. I, I don't know what that over under is, but it'd be hard for me to bet the over. Let's yeah, talk about true. that. Let's talk about that. Chris Bassett trade. Just while we're talking sure. about Oakland, the Mets get Chris Bassett and Oakland receives JT Ginn and Adam Aller from the Mets. Um, so obviously Bassett joins a rotation that's headlined by Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco. Um, I mean, if all five of those are healthy and going at the same time, this is one of the better rotations in the sport. In 2021, he was 12 and four with a 3.15 ERA, 1.06 whip over 157 and a third innings. Uh, I think he has been I th- perennially underrated when we are talking about starting pitchers out there, just because he's on Oakland, which is about as unsexy a team as you can talk about when you get, mm-hmm. when you get with any fantasy player, it's just, it's just an unsexy destination for people to talk about. And then obviously, you know, I think he's just hidden. I think he has not been in a spotlight before where people have gotten a chance to really look at him and go like, wow, this guy can really throw. He's going to get that platform in New York with this, with this team that is just filled with stars that should be very good. Should be maybe as a favorite in the NL East behind Atlanta. Um, so tell, talk to me about Chris Bassett here. I think Chris Bassett moved up my rankings quite a bit as soon as this trade went down because the offense and the support around him is just drastically better now. I don't, I don't think you can make an argument that he didn't. This, this, I think mm-hmm. this was an excellent move. And again, we'll talk about the prospects in a second, but I think this was a nice move for Oakland as well. Mm-hmm. I think they got a couple of really nice players. But Chris Bassett is perennially underrated and now gets a chance to be in that big market. I do love that he's going to be in that mid-rotation thing. Chris Bassett is not the guy I'd want to be my ace. Chris Bassett is my third starter. or possibly yeah, all about it. Starter. Very, very nice move. Um these one of the weird guys too that like he misses bats without missing bats. Like he's only in the 32nd percentile in whiff percentage, but he's in the 60th percentile in strikeout. And a lot of times that's a weird one, but it's just Chris Bassett commands everything. He puts mm-hmm. everything where he wants, and he's got the deceptive delivery that's going to put him in a lot of two strike counts. Like he's not, it's not overpowering stuff. It's just he's the best version of Kyle Hendricks. Like he is going to put the ball where he wants. He doesn't, he doesn't make mistakes. I really like this scenario for Chris Bassett. Now, again, 
not a fantasy like superstar and a little bit uh, better reality over fantasy. But I think Chris Bassett's definitely a guy that you have to jump up in the rankings there. There's a lot to like about this scenario now. I mean, just wins alone, just the W column should be drastically better now with, I mean, he was what I said, 12 and four last year. Right. I mean, 12 to 15 wins seems if he's healthy and pitches, you know, 30 starts, 12 to 15 wins feels possible, very possible. And that's great. Um, and I don't think that's something that if you walked into this year in an Oakland uniform that I can bank on 12 wins just because of how much that team is going to be tore down. Talk to right. me about those prospects a little bit. JT sure. Ginn and Adam Aller. Yeah, I joked on Twitter that a Ginn and Aller sounds like a hoity-toity cocktail, but um, it's, a, it's a nice return. Uh, JT, Ginn was, JT Ginn was a guy who was going to be probably a top 10 pick, if not before his injury that he had at Mississippi State, put up just dominant numbers there and was well-liked in high school as well. Uh, Three-plus pitches and a fastball slider and change. Commands them pretty well. A, a little bit control over command, but nothing like that suggests he's going to be a reliever. Uh, I would imagine that he's helping that rotation at some point in 2023. Definitely a guy I'd be looking at in Dynasty Leagues if he's still available. Uh, all there's a little more of an interesting story. Um, nothing screams above average here but nothing screams like below average either. And those are the type of guys who often end up being solid starters. Um, 3.45 ERA, um, been a long-term development player. He's already 27, but still was ranked uh, in the top 25 of their prospects. You usually don't see 27-year-olds considered prospects, but I do think he has a chance. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was making starts for Oakland and playing in that ballpark. There's a chance he could be a streaming guy, but uh Ginn is definitely the guy of those two that you're looking at uh, for Dynasty Leagues. All right, let's talk about another trade, and let's bring up your Mariners as they make a little splash today. They acquire Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. The Reds get back Justin Dunn, Brandon Williamson, and Jake Fraley, and a player to be named later. Uh, let's Let's start this from the Mariners' perspective. Yeah. Winker is a phenomenal outfielder who really took a step up last year. He is an offensive bat that I think the Mariners have been looking for in this offseason, whether that was going to be, I think you and I both thought Chris Bryant wasn't a great fit. Trevor Story could have been a great fit there, still could be. I want to take that away from Seattle just yet. But right. Winker becomes, I think, immediately slots in as a great middle-of-the-order bat that the Mariners really needed. He hit 305 with 24 homers, 71 RBIs, a stolen base, and a 905 OPS. Was eighth, uh, no, I take that back, ninth in the majors in weighted runs created. I mean, just he, he had a great year last year. And if it weren't for an injury, we'd be talking about a guy who was 30 and 90. And that's and that's pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Eugenio Suarez should take over third base every day, or at least most days for the Mariners. More playing time is a positive. However, he has downgraded ballparks from the Great American Ballpark to Seattle. Um, he hit 199 over the last two seasons, which is, um, checks notes, bad, yeah. but has <laughs> hit more home runs than anybody else in the majors since 2018. So it's feast or famine with this guy, but a new change of scenery. He's going to get more playing time now. I think Eugenio Suarez bumps up my list just a tiny bit just because he's going to get more at-bats. Um, Winker, I'm not sure if he goes up my list at all just because of the downgrade in ballpark. Yeah. But um, I still, I'm still, i still very high on Jesse Winker entering 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. What's interesting – well, what's really interesting is that 
this trade happened while I was on the radio in Seattle. We do a sub a subject or a segment every Monday called Molly Watt Monday. Don't ask about the name, but it is uh, we were in a commercial break and then that Jeff Passan broke that trade. So we got to break it down live, which is not something you get to do very often. Um, I, I, I really like this trade for Seattle. It was an easy yes for me to for what they gave up to get because of Winker's ability. And Eugenio Suarez is a very solid real life player just because of his defense at third base. My is, my issue with Winker going forward is the change in ballpark. And the fact that he's struggled to stay healthy and he can't hit left-handed pitching. Like if you take a look at the splits, they are ugly against left-handers. And that Jerry DePoto was kind of honest about the fact that we'll see him play some against left-handed pitching, but that kind of tells you the fact that they're even mm-hmm. talking about it, that it's an issue. And so that's something that you're, you're going to have to keep in mind is that there are going to be days where Jesse Winker is not in the lineup against left-handed pitching. And, you know, that can help you in terms of your rates, but it hurts, helps hurts you in your counting stats. Like sure. you're probably going to get 120 games. And also Winker has had some, some health issues. Um, I, I still like it. And I certainly like it better now because I think Cincinnati is just now in full on tank mode. But I do think that Jesse Winker, like if you're expecting him to take that leap into like the top dozen outfielders or anything like that, it's just not going to happen until he proves that he can be, a legitimate option against left-handed and right-handed pitching. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Those splits against lefties and righties are jarring, and that's clearly something that he's going to need to change if he wants to hit that upper echelon of outfielders. But from a Mariner standpoint, I think with Jared Kelnick, with with Julio Rodriguez coming up, with Kyle Lewis, I know he won't be ready for opening day, but he'll be in that spot. Um, With Mitch Hanniger out there, like there's a lot of – players who can play in the outfield and be able to spell. I think this can be a really successful platoon situation from a real life perspective Uh for the Mariners. But from a fantasy perspective, I agree. I need to see Winker do a little bit more against lefties. And like you said, just the downgrade and ballpark for a power guy is can't be overstated. Like it's going to, it's going to impact him one way or the other and like 24 home runs. That's great. But if that 24 home run, he's going to need X number of at-bats to get 24 home runs. And does he get there enough with the left-handed issues? Uh, We'll see. But I think this move is a nice move for the Mariners just overall. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris, talk to me a little bit about the Mariners going back to the Reds and if there's any fantasy relevance here for 2022. I think there might be. um, I think Justin Dunn is somebody who's pretty interesting now. He's had to say command problems is the understatement of understatements, but this was a first round pick. This was a guy they really wanted in that Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz deal on top of Kelnick. I think he's got a chance to be a, as a streaming option. If he does win that fifth spot, he also would be a very interesting closer. A lot of people thought when he was coming out of Boston college, that he was going to be that guy. Um, Brandon Williamson is the best prospect in the deal. I, I see more reliever than starter, but there are some scouts that I talked to, who like Brandon Williamson more than George Kirby and Emerson Hancock. So that wow, is okay. high praise. Like there are four very. above average pitches here with a very funky delivery. I think that funky delivery is going to keep him from throwing enough strikes to be a true starting pitcher to me, but certainly a guy to keep an eye on and a very underrated dynasty prospect. That was a nice get. Jake Fraley in on base leagues might be interesting too, because it looks like he might get a chance 
to be an everyday player now with Cincinnati, which is weird to say after they were just so loaded in outfielders. Now yeah. you're got, there's some real question marks here. And an on-base percentage league, I might be interested. He's a very patient hitter, and he's shown uh, the ability to get on via walk. In a 5x5, five five, there's no interest for me because there's no power. And he's he he makes Jesse Winker look like Tony Gwynn against left-handers to, to, because that's – yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. There, there's yeah. no chance for him ever to uh, hit for average against lefties, and he's not a big power guy either. Park might help a little bit, but uh, Dunn and Williamson are good. I, I still think this trade is pretty sa- – if I was a Reds fan, I'd be pretty upset because this is a pretty clear sign that they are going into that rebuild mode as well, which is very disappointing because this looked like a team that was like on the rise and then some just a couple of years ago, and now yeah. – you're going to be seeing a lot of players, including that rotation. I think Sonny, what you are, we already saw one player get gone and or get traded, and I would imagine that we will see Luis Castillo moved at some point as well. Yeah, I would think so as well. Uh, let's talk about that Sonny Gray. As we let's talk about the Reds just in general. Um, yeah. You mentioned all the the prospects that they get back, but the uh, the Twins trade for Sonny Gray, so Sonny Gray off the roster as well. I think that when we talk about Eugenio Suarez moving to the Mariners, I think there is a trickle effect for the rest of the Reds infield. If we remember to last year, once everyone got healthy, Moustakas, Farmer, India, Vado, and, and Suarez, that's one position player that doesn't fit into that into that infield. Now with Eugenio Suarez gone, that makes it Vado, Indio, India, Farmer, Moustakas as that infield, at least as of now. That, I think, gives a bump to all of them just because I think there was going to be a playing time a battle, which I don't think is going to happen anymore. But we talk about the trench trading for Sonny Gray. That means that's just somebody else off of that Reds rotation. You mentioned Luis Castillo. I would assume he has to go. Uh, Tyler Maley, I assume, might be able to fetch maybe the, the biggest prospect return after his great year last year and his right. age. It just, it just seems like at this point, you tear it down to the studs. Like, is Joey Votto a trade candidate? I think he should be. If there's yeah. someone out there who misses out on the, you know, the the Rizzo free agent signing, like Joey Votto after last year, I think is worth a, is worth a kick in the tires. Um, there's a lot of people. I think the only people who are definitely not available, if I'm off the top of my head, I think India and Farmer probably are not available just because of their age. Um Castellanos off the team like there's really not a whole lot that we care about building a foundation about right now and you like you said 2019 we were talking about this team like they could win the central and they could yeah. be really dangerous when they get to a postseason sure. and less than two th- two years later three years later we're talking about a team that is going to be in full down and full teardown and that's yeah. a real bummer if you're a Reds fan because there yeah. was so much good on this team and there wasn't a financial issue like, you know, like the Marlins, when they had to kind of get rid of everybody, this wasn't a financial issue that was holding them back. I'm kind of bummed by this. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it, I mean, the Reds were a very, very important part of Major League Baseball, and they still are because they're one of 30 teams in the Major Leagues. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, when I think of the 70s, I think of the Cincinnati Reds. That's one of the most uh, important clubs in baseball like that uh-huh. the the sheer amount of hall of famers on there no i will question. say this um i kind of wonder if farmer could be dealt just because jose barrera looks like he's absolutely ready to be the shortstop there um so that that's that would be an interesting one for me you could also yeah. move farmer to third base or something like that but jose barrero is a guy i think whose stock goes up a little bit okay. um for for the year i i do think that if he's 
it doesn't make sense for him not to be the starting shortstop now to be. I mean, Kyle Farmer, you know what you have in him right now. Tyler Stevenson is another nice building block for them, but it, it, there's your overall point is absolutely right. There's yeah. This is a full teardown thing, in fact. And with Joey Votto, it's basically going to come down to with, does Joey Votto want to be a Cincinnati Red? Like literally yeah, and figuratively yeah. because he has those 10-5 rights. And if he comes to them and says, look, I don't want to do this anymore. And if somebody's willing to, Joey Votto's contract is going to be something that they probably have to eat a little bit of to, right. in order to be in order to move. But he certainly could help somebody. And I would kind of prefer to see him playing somewhere else just because, one, I'd love to see Joey Votto get a ring. And two, like – it just doesn't make sense for him to spend um, the next three or two or three years for a club that just really doesn't look like they're going to be competitive at this point. Yeah. And well, I think the Reds could eat a little bit of that contract now that they got out of the Suarez yeah, contract. Sure. Seattle's picking up all 44 million of that contract. Right. So now they have a couple extra bucks that look, if you can give me a better prospect, I can, I can swallow, you know, 20, 30 million of, uh, of Joey Votto money and make sense. I do um, think real quick, it is very interesting that this is happening and the Reds were one of the four teams that voted against the uh, collective bargaining agreement, mm-hmm. one of the four owners who were not interested. And it is worth pointing out that that the while the Reds are fine with money, he is one of the non-billionaire owners. He's only yes. worth about $800 million. Poor guy. <laughs> You broke, broke man. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about the pitching prospect that came back from the Twins in the Sunny Gray trade. Uh, yeah. Chase Petty. Uh, it was a one for one trade. A lot of people talking about Chase Petty in a in a real positive way. Chris, tell me, is Chase Petty fantasy relevant for this year? Not for this year. No, Chase okay. Petty's not going to be able to be helping you until about probably twenty twenty four at the earliest. Right. This was the first so, round. Yeah. Uh, prep high school, uh, but very interesting long-term. Like there's a 70 fastball and 60 slider. It's not hard to miss bats when you have those two mm-hmm. type of pitches. Definitely a reason. I keep thinking Chase Petty and wondering how he didn't up, end up in NASCAR because that is the that's most what I NASCAR. Keep, I, I, had, I had to double check the <laughs> yeah. spelling because I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's a NASCAR guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely a uh, – and surprisingly enough from New Jersey, which is probably why he's not in NASCAR. Not a, not a place that I think is uh, real big in the uh, in those areas. But if, no, uh, if I – if I upset you, New Jersey, I apologize. But long term, I think there is a chance for fantasy relevance. Um, even if he ends up being a closer, you need closers. You need high leverage relievers in fantasy baseball. So it's a nice return. I think it's a fair trade. And we didn't really talk about uh, just real quick. I think Sonny Gray, I think. Yeah, I was going to back up. Yeah, stock up. Absolutely. I think this is a better situation, a better division that he's going to be playing in. Um I love kind of what the twins are doing right now. It, it, it's looked very weird on paper, but I think it's, it's all kind of adding up into something right now. So um, I do think Sonny Gray has more fantasy relevance. Now I think I ranked him like 47th in my 60. I'd probably go somewhere around 39, 40 now. So it's not a massive raise up, but a raise up nevertheless. I mean, certainly just going from great American ballpark to target field. I mean, it's a great point. Just an absolute, just a great pitcher's ballpark going from one of the best hitters ballparks. So just inherently, even regardless of the lineup and everything around him, just right. moving from one part to the other, I give a bump up. And then obviously I think you're talking about two teams, one that kind of wants to win and the other one that doesn't. And yeah. inherently I, I tend to bet on the one that wants to win. So um, I like Sonny Gray a lot. 
more moving into this year. Look, he did not have a great year last year. It was his worst strikeout percentage in the last three years. It was the most home runs allowed in his career with 19. But like I said, the change in pitchers park, the change in team, I think both benefit him in a big way. Um, Sonny Gray, I think a, a sneaky play later in drafts, especially because of the ratios that he can give you. If you've kind of loaded up on, you know, strikeout guys and a lot of those, you know, this is a guy who can give you, you know, maybe an ERA close to three and can give you a lot of those ratios that can really be helpful. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, let's talk about another trade here. Um, the other twins trade, big trade that they made with my Yankees. The Yankees trade for Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Ben Royvelt. And the twins get Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. Um, let's start with the twin. We'll start with the twins because we've been talking about them. The twins get Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. Um, I find that I, I love this move for the twins. I think this yeah. is a great move for the twins here. I think Gary Sanchez, look, everyone knows the positives and negatives of Gary Sanchez. It is well documented at this point. But if you're telling me, I think getting Gary Sanchez out of the limelight of New York, which some just does not work for people who are struggling and sometimes that is a big issue. I think him getting a chance to go to Minnesota to work with the same catching coach that has turned Mitch Garver into a good, both offensive and defensive catcher. I think that is a great buy low kind of candidate and someone with a fresh change of scenery could look, if he gets back to 75% of what, of what Gary Sanchez can do, that's a catcher one just because of how thin the position is. So if he can turn any part of that back, he's never going to be a average guy, but he can give you power and RBI if he turns that career around. Meanwhile, Gio Urshela, I know he burst onto the scene in 2019 and did not have a particularly great year last year, but otherwise has been an offensive find for the Yankees when they got him from Cleveland for essentially, I think, just some cash now essentially flip him for Josh Donaldson, which I think is a great piece of business from the Yankees. And I think Urshela is going to be a great like-for-like replacement for Josh Donaldson. No, he won't get you the same counting stats, but he'll play equally as good, if not better defense, and should be. I think I think he's like a poor man's Nolan Arenado. Like, I think he can kind of put up good numbers across the board. He just won't be elite at anything. Yeah, I really like this move for Minnesota. And I, you know, I don't hate it for New York either. I, I think it's a trade that that makes a lot of sense. But I'll say this for the Gary Sanchez stuff. I agree with everything you said, except for one thing. I don't think it's going to be for the twins. I think Gary Sanchez is going to be on the move again. And okay. I think I think Seattle is a team that makes a lot of sense with the, the just absolute garbage they have behind the plate. Mm-hmm. All due respect to those guys. It's weird to say all due respect. Boy, that's an all due respect. Yeah, garbage yeah. Behind that's that's yeah, that's, yeah, very, yeah. that's very that's <laughs> very. Uh, that's very uh, Talladega Knights of me is what I just yeah. Told you. yeah. Look, I don't want to offend you. I don't yeah, want to offend yeah. you at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, um, it's but I, I do think he'd be a huge upgrade there. I still like Gary Sanchez. I think it's weird because he got overrated when he was hitting just unfathomably batting average balls and yep. play luck. He was never going to be that 280, 290 hitter, but he's better than like a, the 190, 200 hitter too. And there is yep. still light tower power in that right-handed bat that's going to play at any park that he plays in. I still like him. And look, Gio Urshela, I know last year wasn't great. I think he might be a better real life player than Josh Donaldson right now. Like he is an elite defensive player and and is Josh Donaldson is by 
by no means a poor defensive player still. Like, he's not what he once was. It's impossible for that to happen when you've had 8 billion calf injuries to be the same defensive player that you once were. Um, I, I like this for Minnesota, and I think it's an upgrade for their pitchers that they're going to have uh, Urshela at third base. And yes, Donaldson wasn't hurting them. He was far from a hindrance when he was there, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And I don't see anything that suggests that he's going to be stay healthy going forward. And that kind of leads us into the Yankee stuff. Well, I will say, I think it's a little unfair and it's not completely unfair, but I think it's a little unfair when we talk about Donaldson and being brittle. Look, I know that two of the last three years have not been exactly the banner of health for him, but he's still, or I should say two of the last four years, because it's really the short in 2020 season. He only played about, I think 25 games and 2018. He only played about 40 games. But other than that, He's been a 120-plus game guy. And even last year when we talk about the Cavs injuries, he still played, I think, 135 games. So if you're telling me that Josh Donaldson plays 125-plus games, I still think he gives you the counting stats that you want. Uh, he's 36 now. He'll be the Yankees' starting third baseman. Last year he was 247 with 26 homers, 72 RBIs, 73 runs, and an 827 OPS. But if you look under the hood, I mean, in his stat cast metrics – Top 8% in the league in average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, expected weighted on base average, expected slugging, barrel percentage, walk percentage. That's top 8% in the league in what is, quote, a bad year for Josh Donaldson. So, look, I'm not expecting him to be the Josh Donaldson of 2015 anymore, but if he can be a guy with that Yankee lineup around him that can be a 25 to 30 home run guy, a 70 to 90 RBI guy, if he can stay healthy for that, I think he might be a great find at the ADP where he currently is. But again, health is still a factor in this conversation. You don't get healthier as you grow older. You get right. more brittle. So it's certainly a factor. It's baked into his ADP right now. But if you can play 130-plus games with that Yankee lineup around him, I think you could get some pretty nice value from that. And I think the issue for me with the health thing is, is that he got 34 games at designated hitter. I just don't know if Josh Donaldson is going to be able to be rested like that with the Yankees. Sure. I think that the, I think that asking him to play more than a hundred games at third base is asking an awful lot with what's going on. Now, look, he played 148 games in 2019. So I hope he can. Uh, Josh Donaldson is one of my favorite players to watch. And Me too. I, I do think it's a little weird that he's going to New York after those comments about Garrett Cole. So that'll be interesting. Um, other guy in the trade, obviously is I kind of Falefa. We talked about this like months ago, how kind of Falefa was a fit at shortstop for the Yankees. And I, I think it's a nice stopgap move defensively. I think yes, he is an elite defensive player wherever you're playing him. Like he can just, he just has such excellent range and sucks at such excellent instincts that like, it doesn't really matter what position you're putting him at. And he's still a guy that I think could be a catcher too. Like I, I think that's another thing that's going to be interesting going forward is guys like Anthony Volpe and Eduardo Peraza are the future at that position. But, you know, you can move kind of Falefa, you know, to be a, a guy who plays at shortstop, second base, should have to be able to handle the outfield without any problem at all. Third base, wherever you want to play him, you can mm -hmm. play him. My question mark is, is the only way that he's going to have fantasy relevance is if he's going to steal like 25 or 30 bases. I'm just not sure if the Yankees are going to give him that opportunity. I don't think so either. That requires a level of at-bats, and that requires a level of aggressiveness from the Yankees that we don't normally see on the base paths. Exactly. Now, that being said, 
the second half of last year, the Yankees were, I think, top five in the league in stolen bases. Like they decided to change up their mentality about halfway through last year. Does that carry over to this year? We don't know. But right. that's just something to be said that like suddenly people were on the move a little bit at the end of last year that weren't. Um, and I think, look, I don't know if this is the Yankee fans won't be pumped that this is the shortstop that we theoretically are going into next year with, with just the free agent, just every great shortstop seemed to be a free agent this year. And yeah. Isaiah kiner Falefa is somehow the one that you're going to walk away with at the end. I think that's going to be a tough pill for Yankee fans to swallow. But like you said, I think this just shows how much faith the Yankees have in the top of their farm system, because I don't think you, I don't think the Yankees skip and sleep on this loaded shortstop market that they have. If they don't feel like they've got some, if they don't have the answer already in house. Yeah. I, I, I assume so. It's still I assume weird. So. Well, again, that's yeah. the belief at least whether yeah, that's I, true I, or not is completely yeah. up for debate, oh, but and that see, seems I, to be where they're at. I think it is true too. Like I, I do believe Anthony Volpe or Oswaldo Peraza will be a perfectly a, Volpe has a chance to be a star. And I think yeah. Os, Oswaldo Peraza has a chance to be a very, very nice player as well. It's just still weird to me that this Yankee team has gone from, if you want it, go get it, to we're being picky because we have a shortstop who might be ready by the middle of 2023. I, I will never get used to that. I like ever. No, that's fair. And I, that's I, totally I think fair. it's, I think it's, um, it, it, it's a mistake, but especially with Carlos Correa, who could make to, uh, literally if they signed Carlos Correa, I'd make him the favorite to win the world series. I think he's just such a perfect fit for that organization, but that's, that's not the reality that they're playing with. No. But I do think Kiner Falefa is, is a very nice real-life player, helps their defense a lot. I, I think shortstop was definitely a defensive issue for New York in 2021. I don't think it'll be an issue for 2022, but, man, Carlos Correa is still sitting out there, and we're trading for Isaiah Kiner Falefa. It's just weird. It is. It is very weird, but – this is as is the the world that we currently live in. If you're not the yeah. Dodgers, everybody else is at least playing by some version of the rules, and the Dodgers yeah. just don't care. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the let's talk about Carlos Rodon. Uh, he yeah. signs with the San Francisco Giants, one of the few free agent signings that we can really talk about from a from the top end of the free agent market. He inks a two year, forty four million dollar prove it contract with the Giants has an opt-out clause after this year. So that could be a one-year contract for, I think, about $23 million. Uh, in 2021, he had 13 wins, a 2.37 ERA, a .96 whip, and 185 strikeouts over 132 and two-thirds innings. With those numbers, how is he getting a two-year, $44 million contract? Injury issues. We just have we have worries about that left shoulder. We have worries about that left arm. Um, failed to complete five innings in any start after July 18th last year, injured his shoulder in early August and was basically shut. Well, not shut down, but was, was told to pull off the gas pedal towards the end of the season. His fastball wasn't breaking 93 towards the end. So obvious red flags here, but absolutely. I mean, the, the talent when healthy is unquestioned. He had a 34.6 strikeout rate last year. That was second in the majors, only behind Corbin Burns. That's just how good he can be as a strikeout pitcher. He gets, I think San Francisco has a brilliant piece of business here as they sign him for at worst two years, 44, which I still think is fine. And yeah. at best he gets, you know, a year of elite production and he opts out fine. But I still think that's worth 23 million. Great piece of business by San Francisco. 
Rodon goes to a pitcher's park, which I think is even better for him as someone who can be apt to give up the long ball. I move Rodon up my rankings at least five, six spots with this move. I think it's a great landing spot in San Francisco. I think it's a great landing spot too. I was, I was really excited for this kid just because he went through the stuff that he went through in 2019 and 2020, where, you know, he made a total of 11 appearances, Mm -hmm. nine of those starts, 40, 42 and a third innings between those two years to like at a point, Carlos Rodon was the favorite to win the American league Cy Young award this day yes. in that year. Like he was that dominant, especially in the first half. Now there's, there's huge injury risk with Carlos Rodon and durability concerns is what I would say more than injury risk, but um, he's, he's improved his delivery. He's throwing more strikes, 185 strikeouts and 132 and two thirds innings is really, really impressive. Even in today's age where people are striking out, like if you, it's now become where if you don't have a strikeout an inning, people wonder what the heck is wrong with you. It's to talk about times are changing in that regard. Right. Yeah. It's, I love this fit. I think the national league uh, West is a, a, with all due respect to the the Dodgers who are just awesome, but the best second best lineup that he'd be facing, I think, especially with the Tatis injury now is the San Francisco giants. You won't have to face that lineup too often playing for uh, that team. So I love this fit. I think he's being way undervalued in fantasy drafts. Yeah. You take some risk, but the reward is so much worth it. Yeah. Sometimes that old saying is the juice worth the squeeze. Like Rodon, it is, it is like if you, if you get anything out of that juice, like it's going to be great. Uh, it yeah. should be elite numbers on that front. And a team that overperformed last year, he basically is the replacement for Kevin Gossman in that rotation who obvi- who went to the Blue Jays in the offseason. Um, he kind of fills in r- nicely there. I think this is a great landing spot for him. And also, San Francisco is far more of a chill town than Chicago is when it comes to like all of the stuff that's the pressure that's heaped upon you. I think this is a great spot for him to kind of take a year, rebuild his brand to show that he can get, you know, 175, maybe 200 innings and be able to opt out and go get his money elsewhere. But a perfect landing spot for him. Let's talk about a couple other free agent signings here. Uh, Clayton Kershaw heads back home. He re-signs with the Dodgers on a one-year $17 million deal. Nelson Cruz signs a one-year $15 million deal with the Nationals. We'll talk about a guy who finally benefits from the universal DH. Yeah. Um, and Rockies sign Alex Colomay to presumably be their closer in Colorado. I think that's interesting just from a fantasy standpoint of who gets the saves where. Um, we just got on right before we started recording. Andrew McCutcheon heads to the Brewers on a one-year deal after three years in Philadelphia. So a bunch of a bunch of signings there, but the top parts of that free agent market: Correa, Freeman, Story, Rizzo, Brian, Castellanos, Schwarber, Suzuki, Rosario, Soler, Kenley Jansen. Like all of those names that I think people kind of expected to start being gobbled up. Still unsigned. But let's yep. talk about those people who are signed here. Uh, Kershaw with the Dodgers is the best landing spot for him to have possibly been. He jumps sure. up the rankings a little bit. Cruz with Washington. I didn't love the landing spot for him here. I would have loved to have been on a team that I think is going to be more competitive, that maybe would have a little bit more of an option of, of, of people to drive in. But great news for Juan Soto that he gets a little bit more lineup protection uh, in that lineup. 
And then obviously, I think McCutcheon to the Brewers, I think he becomes an interesting DH candidate and outfield candidates. Look, the Brewers have been trying to find who can we get some more offense out of because that pitching staff is just so stinking good. You know, if Kutch can do, he had, I think, the most home runs he's had in his last five years last year. Can he bring any of that to Milwaukee? Hopefully he can because that team is still searching for a great offensive bat since Christian Yelich has taken a step backwards. Yeah, I I like I. So the Nelson Cruz thing is really interesting to me because I don't like it from a fantasy perspective, but I do have to mention how much I love it from a real life perspective. Yeah, Watching Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz hit back to back is going to be so fun for me. They are just two of my favorite players to watch because the ball just, you know, what's off their bat. It just, Mm -hmm. it's so fun to watch. Um, And I love to see teams even though nationals who know that they are not serious playoff contenders still trying to make a, a product that is interesting to watch. And, you know, Nelson Cruz also has the value of talk to a lot of people. This is a very, very, very smart baseball player. And he's, he's going to be able to give some of those young players some, uh, some good tutelage, which doesn't help you really in fantasy. But I do think it is uh, an interesting thing. Just the chance to drive in Juan Soto, who's going like, Mm -hmm. He could he could bat right-handed next year and get on base at a 380 clip. He's going to get a chance mm-hmm. to uh, drive in that guy for uh, uh, for the most part of the year. Also, could see him being a guy who's dealt again. Um, I was going to bring that up, like yeah. between Josh Be- between Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz. Like, if the wheels come off in the first half of the year, sure. I think both of them become great trade candidates halfway through the year. I think that's a a good part, a real life part of this signing for the Nationals. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it is worth pointing out that he does have a mutual option for 2023, yes. where you know you're going to have to pay the the Nationals would probably have to send over the three million to have that option declined if Nelson Cruz is. Uh, not quite the same player that we saw. And we did see some downgrade from him. I love McCutcheon to the Brewers too. I think that's a great point about the DH, a chance to give him for the first time. And yes, he played for the Yankees for a little bit. I, I think everybody forgets Andrew McCutcheon was a member of that team. I um, almost forget it. Yeah. yeah honestly, <laughs> it's very, it's very, very, very much uh, something that's not going to be talked about uh, when he does end up hanging up the cleats. But, uh, but I like that fit. It, Andrew McCutcheon is nowhere near the player that he once was. But, you know, in a deeper roster or an NL only thing, I think the Brewers are a pretty decent landing spot. Agreed. Let's talk about some of the other trades that went down as we wrap up the show here. Uh, Blue Jays. So I should say Blue Jays signed UC Kikuchi to a three year, thirty six million dollar contract. We didn't talk about that. Um, Love, 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 love this signing for the Blue Jays. I think this is a great landing spot for Kikuchi, who has shown flashes of like excellent elite talent and then also shown the ability to just fall off a cliff. Yeah. So remember, this is the same team that took Robbie Ray, who basically had the exact same, like has a, has a great strikeout, has the great potential, but doesn't know where it's going all the time and turned him into a Cy Young. Could they do anything with Kikuchi here? If it does, then this is a steal for 12 million a year. And again, he's going to be filling out a rotation basically as the fifth starter in Toronto behind Gossman, Barrios, Rue, and Manoa. So absolutely love that. Um, I do think this is a major hit to Nate Pearson's fantasy stock because I think if there ever was a chance that he was going to bust in and get into that starting rotation, now would have been the year to do it. Now, short of an injury, he looks more and more like a bullpen arm, which again, he could be 
one of the most dominant relief pitchers in the game if they decide to move him there full time. But sure. I still think there's enough under the hood there that they still need to keep him stretched out in the hopes that he can still be something as a starter. And then, of course, uh, Mitch Garver traded to Texas. In return, the Twins got Kiner Falefa, who they immediately flip over to the Yankees. I think he was a twin for one day. <laughs> yeah. I wonder when. I wonder if he got any Twins merch in the like. As someone handed him like a hat. And then all there, of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, by the way, you're a Yankee now." There was um, an Mitch image Garver going. To Texas is interesting. Yeah, I think Mitch Garver to Texas is interesting as well. Um, the the question mark with Mitch Garver is literally if he can stay on the field. Like in yep. 68 games last year, 13 homers. There's never been a question about his power. I like this landing spot. I, I kind of wish he was playing in a little different park, but I do. Like I like that this is lineup is starting to look a little more full for Texas yes. for the for the Corey Seager and the Marcus Simeon stuff. Like just just a little more fleshed out. It's not going to be just about uh, those two guys. There was a funny picture, by the way, of uh, Isaiah kind of uh, shaking Rocco Baldelli's hand and yeah. uh, people talking about our favorite twins moments with <laughs> Isaiah kind of Falefa. Remember um, that time? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But. Um, but yeah, I, I think Garver's a nice pickup. And just real quick on Kikuchi, I think yes, nail, nail on the head, man. That is a a home run sighting for them. If you say Kikuchi ends up being a a guy that they basically have to pay to go away, oh, flipping well. Why not take this chance yeah. right now? This is a team that is built to win right now. If he ends up being and look, none of those guys in that in that rotation for the Toronto Blue Jays you cannot count on any of them to give you a, a significant amount of innings. So the more the merrier is a big thing. Yep. That's true about a lot of pitching staffs right now, by the way, or every pitching staff with especially the way baseball is here. Oh yeah. This year with the quick oh, ramp. for yeah. sure. With the quick ramp up. But yeah, I love that because even if you say Kikuchi, like if you give him the time to adjust to a bullpen role, I think he could be dominant there. And also I'll say this too. If like the, the blue Jays are rumored to be going after Kyle Schwarber after Freddie Freeman, if they miss out on those guys, Nate Pearson is a great trade candidate. Like a guy great who point. could great could point. could absolutely be moved. You know, I, I assume that Toronto would like to hold on to him because there's if Nate Pearson, if Toronto was not high on Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson would have already been traded Correct. by now because lots of teams would have interest in that type of arm. But yeah, I mean, talk about like if you're Toronto and you know outfield isn't necessarily a need for them, but like. If you can move Nate Pearson for like a Brian Reynolds or something like that, man, how fun would that lineup be? No, oh, that would be scarily fun. I would yeah. love all the parts of that, except for the yes. fact that they're in my division. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely go. love it. Yeah, there you um, go. So let's just talk about briefly the the lack of movement at the top end of the free agent market here. I mean, we talk about Kikuchi, we talk about um, Kershaw, we talk about Cruz, but all those names I mentioned before are still available. Um, and what we are now four days or so since the since the lockout has ended and none of them have signed anywhere so what do you read into the fact that a all of these guys are still unsigned and you know what are you waiting for to see like all of these names start bumping off the list well i think it's really a complicated thing and it's also an unfriendly reminder of how NBA and NFL free agency just blow Major League Baseball's free agency out oh, yeah. of the water. And unfortunately, the trade-off of that is it's a, it's a lot of that is because of the salary cap. And I would not 
like a salary cap. In yeah, I don't so, want to change that. So I totally understand. I, you got to take the bitter with the better. I haven't said that on this podcast for a while, by the way. But that is just one of those trade-offs that you have to make. Um, but I also think, too, it's just a situation with Trevor Story. Is I think you, if you're Trevor Story, you have to wait for Carlos Correa to sign yeah. because of the set market. And his situation, for those who don't know, there is a wide rumor going around that – so Scott Boris is now Carlos Correa's agent. But how this would work is if he signs a one-year deal, then whatever his next deal is, it's go, the percentages are going to his previous agent. And I don't know if that's not playing a factor here because mm, if you're Carlos – if you're Scott Boris and – you can have Carlos Correa sign for one year with someone. Well, that's his next deal. Then he gets the big payoff anyway. I don't think Scott Boris is nearly the villain that people make him out to be. No. But if you're thinking that that's not playing a factor into this, because like it's it's very interesting that he hasn't signed. A, a lot of rumors right now co- talking about him possibly coming back to the Astros, which absolutely shocks me. I thought that bridge was just I'm, – I'm, what are you more shocked by? The fact that if Carlos Correa – could be a Houston Astro or that Freddie Freeman won't be a break. I'll also throw in there that somehow Trevor story might be a Rocky somewhere. In this yeah, conversation too. But like, yeah. I mean, if you told me that when the shortstop musical chairs ended, that somehow yeah. Correa and story might be back where they started, I would have bet all of my money and lost it. But yeah. no, I think it's, I think it's more surprising the idea that Freddie Freeman is not a brave than Carlos Correa potentially being an Astro again, just because, face of the franchise, basically this generation's Chipper Jones in terms of iconicness in terms of in Atlanta. I, I, I'm sh- genuinely shocked that Atlanta wasn't willing to go to a six year to, to bring Freddie Freeman back. Um, so I'd say I'm a little more shocked at that than theoretically a Correa Houston reunion, because yeah. I don't think Correa ever disliked Houston. I just think he disliked Ooh. every one of their offers. I, I, I you know what I mean? I would just, I think that the, those, those go hand in hand though, man, because I know from talking to, to some folks or not, no really, but from, from talking to some folks, Carlos Correa was madder than a wet hand, which is a phrase that my grandma really likes when that five-year, $160 million offer Oh, yeah, no. Made. He hated and, all of that part. And, when I said he uh, doesn't like Houston, I meant like the team, you know, he's the, like city, the city, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, that. Yeah. I, I get that. I mean, they have excellent barbecue in Houston, and I, I totally yeah, understand do. why um, somebody wouldn't hate the, the city part other than the mugginess. Good Lord, the mugginess. Um but I do think that I do think that bridge was burnt. I, I really yeah, thought that too. bridge was burnt. And you know, good for Houston though for for sticking with this because Carlos Correa coming back to them takes them from being a favorite in the AL West who has a chance to maybe the favorite in the American League because yeah. Carlos Correa's defense and anything he gives you offensively, it's weird to say an added bonus for a player who's that good offensively yeah. at times. But it is kind of an added bonus. He is just an elite defensive shortstop who just happens to have the chance to hit 30 home runs and drive in a bunch of runs as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I am shocked to see that. But the other free agents like Chris Bryant and stuff, I think Chris Bryant was waiting for the big offer from Seattle, which may, Jerry DePoto went on the uh, on after this trade, and he did say that he thinks this is what the lineup is going to look like. I think that's a huge mistake. I think the Mariners need to make uh, at least at least one more bat in order for them to be serious playoff contenders. You cannot rely on the luck that they had last year. But he's not going to give probably that big offer from Seattle now. No. Um, Nick Castellanos is another guy who I think has been waiting for 
Um, that big offer from clubs, I, I, I think that some of these guys might have to be waiting a little bit or settle for that dreaded one-year deal, the prove-it deal, which these guys shouldn't have to sign. Nick no. Castellanos shouldn't what is, have what to is sign. What is it? What more does Nick Castellanos have to prove? Have he's to coming prove off a career yeah. year with thirty yeah. and hundred. Like what? Yeah, are we doing? exactly. Yeah. That's and he's, he's had plenty of solid years to yeah. suggest that this is not a fluke. But I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a waiting game. And hopefully I just reverse jinxed us the same way I thought baseball was coming back in Memorial Day. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you to be wrong on this one. It's yeah, just as much too. as I was rooting for you to be wrong about yeah. the Memorial Day uh, uh, opening day. But I will say, yeah. I, I, I think this is, when you get out of the lockout as you did and you get to this point, I got to say, it, it's not a good look for baseball that these guys aren't immediately snapped up. Like it's right. not a good look that we're sitting here five days later and really none of the top end of the free agent market has changed. And, but wasn't this all about finances before and figuring out what the thresholds and you can make yep. it every, every front office was saying like, look, we just need to figure out what the rules are before we can start figuring out if we can sign these guys. These are a lot of names that need to find a home. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of teams that are going to be willing to pay the dollar figures that each one of these guys is worth. So yeah. I am genuinely curious which one of them is going to end up taking a big money deal with a bad team just because, hey, they're the only ones offering me four years and a hundred million. You know, yeah, I mean, like it now has to be said because someone's going to do that. Someone's going to have to swallow the pill and say, look, I'm hoping this rebuilding team gets there quicker. Absolutely. And I think it's going to happen sooner or later. There's been a lot of smoke, so to speak, with uh, Chris Bryant potentially signing with the Colorado Rockies, which yep. it's a weird fit. But I love it. I, I would love to see from a Chris fantasy Bryant. standpoint. Love it. Yeah, love, love it. it. Yeah. And I and I love it too, just from the fact that like, again, it's a team trying to make their product better. And as weird as it is that they weren't willing, that they literally paid Nolan yeah. or Arenado to go play for another team, and they literally weren't willing to offer Trevor Story anything worth near what his market value was. And it, it's it's all weird. But if you're one of your corrections is signing a player like Chris Bryant, and that's mm -hmm. the other thing too, is like a lot of these free agents, it's not like, boy, they're position dependent. They are park dependent or stuff like that. Right. These are guys that they they can play either multiple positions or play. There's not park dependent. Like this is not right. a situation where just bad fits. It's just a case of, it doesn't matter what the CBT is. Major League Baseball owners are going to be as frugal. Did you like that word I just used? I because loved it beats that word, the other one. The yeah. Frugal with their spending as possible. And that's just the way it's always yep. going to be. And again, it's the trade off of not having the salary cap. The fact that there is no, we can only pay you this much has a benefit and also has a, a, a little bit of a disbenefit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good to see teams trying to go out there. I just don't want to see the Chris Bryant's of the world sign a four-year contract at age 30 to, to, to essentially not waste away, but to be yeah, just I totally such a major part, too. such a major part of a rebuild that like, right. I, I don't want, I want to see Chris Bryant on a good team. Like Chris Me Bryant, too. when he was on the San Francisco last year was just more fun to watch than Chris Bryant when he was on the Cubs at the first half of the year. And that's just, I, I want to see that there. And I hope that a lot of these free agents that are still available find a home where they can be good and not just have to find a roster spot somewhere because well, I need to play. Yeah. Fair point. 
So that just about finishes up our show for today. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you are subscribed to Circling the Bases wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Love me them five stars. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in later this week as DJ and Drew catch you up on all the biggest signings and trades. So be sure not to miss it. Hopefully a bunch more signings. Meanwhile, Chris and I will be back here next Tuesday to finish our positional previews and talk about anything else that is still going on in the wide world of sports. So until then, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for the listen. Love you, Dom Smith. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.